This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 56, The Power of Telling Stories, with T.C. Christensen. Every good story starts with, well, how does it start, Beck? Um, once upon a time? No. Oh. <laughs> you know. Every good story starts with... So there we were. Oh, <laughs> every one of your good stories. Right? Yes. So there okay. we were. So there Thank we you, Mike. Were. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Proudfit. So there we were. And guys, this T.C. Christensen, who you may or may not be aware, is one of I, one of the best filmmakers, I believe. He has created so many movies that have truly touched um, our life and in, in telling stories that are messages, really strong messages that come into my home that I can watch with my kids as a family and that are teaching wonderful, wonderful principles. Also, fun story, chased him down in a movie theater. And when we dive into the episode, you'll be able to hear that fun story about That's the craziness. Real fun. Almost made Rebecca have a heart attack. You guys, it's always fun to be Becky Proudfit's friend because she will chase down the person yeah. and you just have to keep up. That's my role in life. You are <laughs> welcome. So can't wait to dive into this episode. But first, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. Surrounding ourselves and filling our homes with items that uplift and inspire is important to us. We try to choose things that remind us of our priorities and that are aesthetically lovely in a very personal way. And for this reason, we are very fond of Latter Day Home. The owners are husband-wife duo Owen and Ashley Mortensen, and they started this little company in their basement five years ago. You know we love a good startup and supporting homegrown businesses. Plus, their stuff is just really awesome and right in line with our core values. Latter-day Home can be described as fresh, inspired design, and their goal is to offer inspiring art and home decor that is on or ahead of trend that will also inspire your faith in Christ and his gospel. They have stunning art prints from renowned artists and have recently partnered with Desert Book to design a full line of home decor, which you can find at any of their 33 stores or, of course, online at latterdayhome.com. You may have seen us both share on our respective Instagram accounts a few of our favorite things from Latter-day Home, like my buffalo check poof and the most beautiful framed artwork and the prettiest blanket and blanket ladder that Becky has had in her home for quite a while now. You will absolutely find something that you love at latterdayhome.com. The code Becky15 will save you 15% every single time. It is no secret that we love going to the movies. We do too. Really? I think it's 50% popcorn and 50% being able to like lose yourself Mm -hmm. in a movie and Mm -hmm. almost check out, honestly, Mm -hmm. to like relax and listen to a story and just kind of experience that. And honestly, has anyone else noticed that like the ratio of rated R movies to not rated R movies is kind of like getting off? These days, I haven't noticed to be honest. The reason why I have is because my husband and I don't watch R rated movies. I just don't feel like it brings much to my life. And uh, so we try to stay away from R rated movies. And we have been having a hard time like finding movies. Mm -hmm. Or if we're having like a two movie week, I mean, if we're going bananas and crazy like that, (laughs) it's really hard to find good movies. As a mom, having, um, you know, all this media come into our homes, which media has its place and is so good, we're super careful about the kinds of things I want my kids watching. And I try to be really intentional about it. And um, this person that is sitting here with us, 
I may or may not have chased down <laughs> at a movie theater <laughs> watching one of these amazing movies where you leave better than when you came. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, I was chasing you, chasing him. Becky had a look of horror <laughs> on her face. But So today we're here with T.C. Christensen who Yay. if you don't Yay. know who he is, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. But really, you need to know. Just start Googling before you even finish this episode right? because you're going to want to. If yeah. you are a person who is concerned about the media coming into your home and wanting to partake in media in a way that enriches your family, this is the person. You are the godfather of the uplifting entertainment. My children are obsessed with all things T.C. Christensen, I could interview anyone, but when I called them mm. after I chased him down in a movie theater the other <laughs> night, um, they were very impressed with me. So thank you for giving me oh, upliftment in the movies. Not TC. And just to be clear, your children were impressed with you. I oh, just wanted- no, TC was <laughs> not impressed with me. No, I'm just kidding. But my kids were very impressed with me. So not only do you give me upliftment in media, but you've given me street cred with my children. Oh, I love that. So thank you for that. I Uh, love that. I I would worry about your kids. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be good to take an opportunity for you Mm -hmm. to introduce yourself to our Mm -hmm. listeners. So we're going to go under the assumption if you don't know who TC is like, and now you get to per you, what would you love people to understand about your life and your career? Well, this is how it's worked for me. I've worked with a lot of actors and this is how I put it. I think actors at some point in their life, they look in the mirror and they think, you're good looking. People would like to sit for long periods of time and look at you. (laughs) Well, I had that same experience where I looked in the mirror and that's not what I thought. I thought, (laughs) you're not good looking. You're not very smart. You're not talented. What what am I going to do for a living? I thought, I'll make movies. I, I've seen all these awful movies. I can make awful movies. So I took <laughs> off and in the eighth grade decided that that's what I was going to do is make movies. My family's all medical. My dad was a dentist, lots of doctor and dentist brothers and nurses. Mm-hmm. And my parents thought, what have we got going here? Oh, wow. This is not right. And uh, that's okay. They became supportive and I just took off after a career that way, which I th- I think I've, anybody's has a child that is wondering about what they want to do. If they can decide early on, and then they can go after it, you know, as opposed to being thirty eight and da 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 and family a kid, right? And, and and then it's hard. It's way harder to mm-hmm. do a freelance occupation like film. Well, I just went after it, and just I didn't know what I'm doing, and I just started making movies and. They started getting some amount of uh, success, and I became a director of photography. That's really how I spent most of my career, was filming other people's movies. And then just maybe about 10 years ago, I looked in that same mirror again and thought, you're fat and bald and getting old, (laughs) and you better... I've got stories I want to tell, and so I started coming up with my own movies. And uh, about my, how old were you? Like, what season of life were you in when you had that realization of telling your own stories through your producing? And- well, I was—I mean, was, I was in the eighth grade when I realized I wanted to do yes, movies. Yes, I know that. And then I started doing my own movies a little bit, but I'm very sidetracked by being a director of photography. That's yeah, my whole career. Absolutely. Then, when I was about fifty, okay. Then I—that's when I thought, man, I—I I need to start doing something that I want to do, some things that I want to say. And it's 
really changed my career. Wow. I don't do so much the all of the commercials and the things that I used to do. Now, what I do is uh, mostly my own films, and I still work on some other people's films. And uh, they tend to be not all faith-based, but I have made a choice that I work on the kinds of films that I would be proud for my grandkids to see and, you know, that kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that perspective changes the way that you approach your work. At least that's how I feel. When you think about the legacy that you're leaving and the fact mm-hmm. that your grandchildren and their children and so forth will watch your work, will literally sit around and watch your work, mm-hmm. it really changes what you do. I, I think, I wish everyone thought that way. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. I, I wish that that was everybody's mentality and certainly it's not. And, you know, we, we speak a lot about living the story you want to tell. You're in the business of telling stories. And I, I wonder at which point in your, you know, going from eighth grade to current, at which point did you realize that you were really good at telling stories with yeah. this format. Oh, it's I, a very I don't unique know if talent. I've ever realized that, but I'll well, we're here to tell, tell you. you. We're here to tell you today. You're but, welcome. Flash. Yeah, you're really good. But what what happened is my early attempts at f- films were I wanted to just get a chuckle out of people. If I could make mm. them laugh, then yoo-hoo, I'm good. And then at some point, and I was still in my twenties, I made a film that had some heart to it. And I liked that. I liked the way people talked to me about it afterwards and the impressions that they took from it. And I have tried to do some comedy things since then. And, you know, I just feel like this is really more my niche. And so I've, yeah. uh, I feel good about being in this area. What's interesting about that is you would not have made that shift or that pivot in your career had you not tried it. Right. You were like, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to try to tell this story with a little more heart. And then what you've experienced with which we've experienced through our work as well is the connection that you have felt to the way that people were talking to you about Mm -hmm. it. Right. When they would see a movie or whatever, and they would have that conversation with you. There's depth to that that matters. And I imagine that's what you must have experienced is like it's it's also good to make people laugh. Also important Mm. for sure. Humor. We need that. And also when you can help people to feel, truly feel something, even if they can't identify what it is when they watch a piece of your work, like I can't even, that must mean so, so much to you because it's not only gratifying, but it's almost like it intensifies your purpose. Well, I I actually spent uh, many years where one of my primary jobs was making TV commercials and that's a good living. And it's fulfilling and all of those things. But that's also one of those things that as I got older, you know what? After 10 years, who cares? Nobody, yeah. Nobody's going back talking about this commercial. That I mean, there are a few. <laughs> there are a few. And you can think about them and love them. But right. most people don't. Yeah. And But a good movie, especially one that touches, because I think that's what a good movie does. It makes you feel something. Something. Yeah. And and those kind of films. The people that were making films in the 30s, they thought that their movies would go on the screen for three or four weeks, and they may as well burn them. And here we 
are still watching them. Yeah. We don't know how long a good story like that in film form will go on and last. Did they really think that? Yeah. Did they, they did. really yeah. not see well, the Well, because the it was an accessibility. Term. Like, it was an accessibility issue. Mm-hmm. You had to go to the cinema to see a movie, and it's not something you could, just like we can now. That. The thing I love about movies, um, and particularly your movies, is that it creates moments with my family. There are times when we just want to sit down and watch a good show. And when you sit down and you have media, when you have movies, when you have stories that are speaking truth, that are speaking goodness, and you sit down as a family and watch them, you get to have this moment of connection of feeling together and experiencing together. And then debriefing after, um, I know one movie you made that my children, I kid you not watch probably three times a week. Love Kennedy. They watch Mm. Three, three times a week plus. Like, they <laughs> love that movie. And that movie, there has been so many moments in our home that have been created by just gathering together to sit down and, and watch these movies. And it's the same thing, you know, if you go and see it in the movie theater. It's really quite a special thing to be in someone's home creating moments in individuals' hearts and in families. That's a, that is a remarkable and truly admirable thing. Well, and to be able to do it in a way that you know is lasting, like you said, to those who, who were filmmaking and producing in the 30s, and to only think this was going to last only for a few weeks and entertain people temporarily, it's a different mind sh- shift when you know that it's going to last forever. And that's, you know, documenting yes. and sharing stories, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to carry on, right? Now, one thing that you're going to have to learn, ladies, as we're talking, yes, is ma'am. who is my hero in filmmaking? Okay. You'd hmm. never guess. I will tell you, it's Frank Capra. Okay. Frank Capra was a director in the 20s, 30s, 40s, into the 50s. And he's who made It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, that is a wonderful and many movie. Other, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Meet John Doe. And Frank Capra, uh, he said that only the morally courageous should be worthy of speaking to their fellow man for two hours in the dark. Oh, wow. And his, his films, uh, I, I I have all these little quotes from him that I refresh myself with every time before we start a new film, he would make films about the little person Mm -hmm. over and over. His theme was, the difference somebody who can make if they stick to their guns and do what they think is right. And boy, for me, he has been just a great example of a filmmaker who did that with his business, his filmmaking. I want to now do my research and learn more yes. about him yes, so that he should. can impact me the way that he has impacted you. I don't mm. have to be a filmmaker to be deeply impacted by the principles that it sounds like he lived by. That's really powerful stuff. Mm. One of my favorite quotes is from It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm going to paraphrase and probably butcher this, but um, Clarence, the angel, is getting instructed on George, who he has to, to go down, mm-hmm. and he Very says, um, what's wrong is he's sick. And God says, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. Hmm. And I love, love, love that the messaging behind that movie mm-hmm. and behind discouragement. And man, filmmakers, I, lo- I love that. We should not be making noise, right? And you could even say the same thing for podcasting. You better have something good to say if you're going to be in people's homes and lives. And um, man, 
It's powerful. It is really, We will really be researching powerful. him. Thank you for tipping us yes. off to a gentleman that we didn't know by name. Of course we know that movie. Yeah. But we didn't know him as a producer. Well, and I got, he came to college when I was in college and I got to meet him. And actually one of these, uh, this, in the clutter of this room that I've dragged you into, <laughs> there is somewhere uh, in one film festival, I won the Frank Capra award as a oh, student wow. what and an he honor. sent me a, a letter and, and signed. And so oh. any, anyway, so he's, he's somebody I'll bring up a few that, times. That today. is so cool. Well, let's fast forward to the current movie. Let's talk about the most recent movie that you've released, which by the time this episode airs, it will have, I think it launched in July. 2019 is that yes. right uh-huh. okay so will you tell us all about that like the premise behind that and and why you decided to choose that story to tell well i had made a film called 17 miracles in and that was 2010 and when that came out and was in the theaters a friend of mine contacted me and said hey there's a new book and you really should look at this book for another movie project so the book was sent to me and i read it and I thought it was interesting and really good, but I didn't know what to do with it. It was just, mm-hmm. there's more to making a movie than just saying, oh, here's a book and you start with page one. And right. you, you have to get your arms around it and know what's the story you're telling and tell it in a way that an audience will find it rewarding and, and acceptable. So it sat and I, I kept thinking about it, but it actually took me about uh, seven years and then finally I got a few ideas about how to do move this around and so forth and then just two years ago we took off and and I wrote a script and then we started and made the film it tells the story of a couple Willard and Rebecca Bean who are called to go back to New York to be a missionary back there and that town was not ready for these people to come back there. And when they got back there, it was brutal. They it was didn't. Rough. They didn't want. Yeah. They really did not want them there. And by the way, they're a newlywed couple. They're a mm. young married young couple, and and barely expecting their first child. So mm. kind of in context of where they are in their life, and then being called to and asked to do this let alone being so not welcomed mm-hmm. when they first got there. There were parts of that that part of the movie that were really un- uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. for me to be to be placing myself in Rebecca as a new wife and and having so much opposition while being pregnant. I mean, opposition for me when I'm pregnant is like, can I shower today or shave my legs? You know what I mean? It puts it in a perspective <laughs> yeah. just just what the the human experience can endure and what mm-hmm. we're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so when you're looking at, at this story and when we're talking about Willard and Rebecca Bean, what is like the common thread, would you say? Like what was that thread that you pulled to create the storyline of what, how do you break down their experience in life to that like story? How do you, how do you even go about doing that? Well, I, I, in any story that we find acceptable in our culture and just the way stories are told, there's uh, heroes that typically go to battle against somebody else and then they learn something and typically learn something from you know the people that they're battling and somehow overcome the problems. That's kind of the, just the short way that a story works. And I realized that th- this couple goes back there and they have this antagonist, this, this town that doesn't want them there. And it takes them a while to learn that the 
even though Willard Bean is a boxer, he had come from middleweight boxing and was he could he could beat up people like left and right. Yeah. He was really good. But that wasn't the way to deal with him. It was love and kindness. And that's really, I think, the theme of our film, uh, The Fighting Preacher, is love and kindness. And that that's what it takes in our day, too. You've got a neighbor. You've got other people around you that you don't really feel that zippity about. But you know what? You're not going to beat them into anything. It has to be that you've, you're kind to them, show love, and that eventually most people will react to that. What I love so much about the story and the way it unfolded, though, is that Willard and Rebecca were desperate to try anything. And they were trying. They were trying hard mm-hmm. to be accepted. They were trying hard to connect with people in the community. They were trying to do what they felt was the right thing to do. And because of that willingness and that openness to just try, he did try a lot of different tactics that didn't work. And I think that that's what's so beautiful about the the message of you, we can all sit around and talk about how love is the answer. And we all know that and there's songs about it and there's, you know, memes about it for that matter. We all get it. But unless you try it the hard way, unless you really figure out and experiment and realize through your own trial and error that, that, yeah, that doesn't work. Nope. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work either. Mm, no, that's close, but not quite yet. Ooh, that was a really bad idea. Oh, here it is. Love, kindness, Put mm-hmm. into action, and and a, and a thing that they had were required to do, that I don't think hardly any of us are required to go out and be friends and try to solicit a response from people of love and kindness to people who have rebuked you and have been mean to you, right. and so forth. In our lives, we don't, you know, you just avoid them and whatever. But because of this mission thing that they were trying to do, they had to do that. And they did it. They just kept after it and after it and ended up being there for over 24 years until they finally were left and went home. Phenomenal. Well, and I think perseverance is one of those underlying messages (laughs) and biggest um, takeaways that that we Mm -hmm. feel in watching this story because that is what they did. They persevered. What do you feel are some of the other underlying messages that you were trying to accomplish and, and how that all worked in pulling it together. Well, Rebecca Bean later wrote, she made this great quote. She said, the things that you defend and fight for are the things you love best. And that showed in her life because people came and accosted her and told her she was an idiot and this and that and whatever. And she stood up for the things that she believed, not being, you know, too crazy about it. Yeah. Not being aggressive. Yeah. But just let them know that this is me, and I understand this is you, and let's see how we can get along. One of the things that really struck me about Rebecca um, was watching this movie. They have, as Becky mentioned, um, when they moved to New York, they were pregnant with their first child, um, and they had that first child, and they had another child, and watching the treatment of their children... um, I was getting angry, sitting in my seat, wanting to like, how could you treat a child like that? Like I just watching the town (laughs) react to this innocent and beautiful child was enraging, to be quite honest with you. Um, The thing that struck me about Rebecca is something in my life I really, really work on and I really try, try to do, which is to remain open. Because people, trials, people, you know, whatever, you get opposition. You get people that don't like you. I know it's shocking. There are people 
That don't like that you. That don't like me. What? Or us. <laughs> or, you know, you get all that negative input all the time. But Rebecca remained open. She could have so easily gone down to that school and just ripped him a new one and said, mm-hmm. I can't do this. I'm not, you know, taught her daughter to, to do these things. But that, to me, the little girl is the hero of the story hmm. because in all of, in all of that opposition, she, her character was a, a, such a stalwart message of openness and love and resilience taught to her by this woman, Rebecca, who despite everything going on, she had every reason in the world to be so upset and to be so shut down and to be all these things. None of us want to be none of these things that serve us. Yet she chose the harder way, which to which was to remain open and to remain loving and to try and to try again and not be upset when it didn't work the first time or the second time or the 28th time. It was a long game of steady love. Well, well and let me comment on that, Becky, that one of the things that sparked me and when I was researching it and thinking, do I really want to, you know, I spent two years on a film and it's not like you just easily, ah, I'll do that film. You <laughs> really have to decide, is this worth making all of this effort for? And one of the things that convinced me was, as you say, she, they were pregnant when they came to town and she needed somebody to be with her, a, house, a midwife at first. And then later, hey, anybody, just bring in somebody to be with yeah. me. And people rebuked her and slammed the door in her face and said, we know who you are, get out of here. And then uh, not that many years later, uh, Rebecca was doing some volunteer work for the Red Cross and took on the job of going and helping one of those women that had been mean to her. And I thought, boy, that's Christ-like. That is yes. what the Savior would do. And and for her to do that and flip that around, and then they became friends, that, that's a, that tells a good story. It's not just a good story. It's like I think that... I think that when we feel the truthfulness and how that works in terms of that application in our own life, we are all going to have our feelings hurt. We are all going to have doors slammed in our face in some way. That's, Mm -hmm. you know. And probably such, in such a less way than than this family did, than this child did, than these people did. I have four kids. I have never once had someone slam the door in my face and say, best of luck to you. I don't care what happens to you and your baby. Yes. It puts in a perspective, like what wrongs people are doing to me. And if she can do that and serve someone who totally disregarded her life, man, can I not overcome whatever small little thing I'm hanging on to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I for sure can. Exactly. I love that. Her example of turning that around, you know, the saying is um, kill him with kindness, right? We've all heard mm-hmm. that, kill him with mm-hmm. kindness. But really, like when I think about... Um, you know, speaking of Rebecca, we can all apply this in our own lives. But when I've thought about, when I think about and reflect on those times when my feelings have been so hurt and I did take that approach and I really put that into practice that I was going to not be obnoxious, but to just love, love, serve, be kind, kindness, kindness. And that was just all I was thinking about. Who cares how it was received in my heart and in my soul and in my skin I felt completely at peace. So I can only imagine how Rebecca felt as she had, you know, this antagonizing, like repeated hurtful things. For years and years years. and years. This wasn't once or twice or three Mm -hmm. times. But 
she got to a feeling, I'm sure of it, a feeling completely at peace about all of it, no matter how it was being received. Do you feel like that mm-hmm. that was her experience? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the, we call, the name of this film is The Fighting Preacher, but I really could have called it The Fighting Preacher's Wife because it mm. is so much about her. And she was a very spiritual person and had some amazing uh, things that came to her. One of them I would like a, one of your listeners to hear is, your listeners to hear is that she was just just tired. She had to do all, you know, this is the 19, oh, this would have been 1918, somewhere in that area. And she has to create these meals, not just for the, her family, but for all these other people that keep coming to this home that they're in. And that's hard. You know, they don't probably didn't have a refrigerator. They having to yeah. grow all their food and just all that stuff. And she's doing that, and she gets tired. She had to chop her own wood to cook the, or to heat the house and to put the um, food in the oven. And one day she's out there exhausted, and a uh, man approached her and said, "Let me help you with that." And she was struck by that. Oh, this is so nice for you to do that. And she handed him the axe and she said, let me thank you. I'm going to go in and I've got a piece of pie and I'm going to give you this pie. She walks in the house, immediately comes back. The man is now gone, missing. And as she looks around, she sees all of the wood is chopped. It's done. And he, the, and the axe is just there in the block of wood and he's done the work and he's gone. And it was, it was a miracle. It was some very, she, she didn't know and never said, well, this is what, who that was. And this is what, but she knew she'd had a miracle happen to her with that and was told somehow with that, keep going. You're okay. You're being watched over. You can be helped. That was Rebecca Bean. It begs the question. I've never, ever had people or someone show up and chop wood for me and disappear. Hmm. But what have I had happen in my life that's like that? Who has who has been placed in my path and and helped me in a moment of me feeling like I'm so tired I I can't go on or or I need help? How often are we missing those miracles in our own life mm-hmm. because it's not something that is so overtly like impossible. Do you know what I mean? I totally Because they're happening all the time all around us. We talk a lot about the fact that you will find what you're looking for. Mm. And I wonder with that, that piece of the story that you just shared, um, which was one of my favorite parts of the movie, because it was a miracle and it was exactly what Rebecca needed exactly when she needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if we can all do a little better to be that conscientious conscientious and aware and looking for seeking for what are the miracles I'm expect or what are the miracles that are happening in my life every day who are the people being being put in my path that are that are just in my life that did something today that helped me to feel mm-hmm. relief or I feel loved I feel like I'm not forgotten because I, I swear we will find them every single day. Mm. It will not look like chopped wood for the most part. Right. Although um, if someone but- wants to fold all my laundry, <laughs> I will accept that. I can be your angel for the <laughs> right. day. But the thing is, is like we, we do, we're, we're surrounded by angels. We are meant to be in each other's lives. We are meant yeah. to be crossing paths with one another. And that's what I love so much mm. about that. And I think that just, we, not think. I know that when we are intentional about seeking for that, we can have those kind of experiences like Rebecca with the chopped wood every day if we want if we want to, if we want to notice it. 
we're so quick to dismiss miracles and to dismiss things that happen and, and talk ourselves out of, oh, that was just a coincidence or that was just mm-hmm. this or that. That's, you, you may have ever heard this uh, Albert Einstein quote, but he, he said you can live your life in one of two ways, as if nothing is a miracle mm. or, as, or as if everything is a miracle. Mm. And I think that the positive way of doing that that's, works out better for everybody. I think so. It does. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh, Rebecca Bean or any whoever it was that, was it them? Who was it that recorded these experiences? How did you get a well, book that talked about the beans. It was at a collection of... Yeah, the Willard, the, the husband, uh-huh. was an amazing journal keeper. I have made most go. a career of uh, making films about uh, true faith-based stories. And when I go researching, most of the time, those people, especially in past days, they didn't write down that much stuff. He did. He was oh, really I love a good, him that much more a right good now. writer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was a funny guy. A lot of the funny things in the film, I wish I could claim, but he was he was funny. That came from him. And, and then beyond that, uh, Rebecca, in her older age, she would go out and give talks. And somebody was smart enough in the 60s, they recorded her, and I was given a CD, and I listened to her give a talk of her experiences. Oh, wow. wow. And that was one of the experiences she told on this that uh, recording. That is so cool. So, mm-hmm. like, let's just pay attention to what's happening here. We, you know, 2019 couple of girls get to sit in a movie theater watching the story being deeply touched would have never happened had Willard not first recorded some experiences Mm. and Rebecca had she not been willing to share of those experiences so Mm. passing these stories on Mm -hmm. through written word through spoken word it's so important and and so that now all these years later they are long gone we get to be impacted by their example this is why we have to document. This is why we have to record. This is why we have to get our stories in writing. And it has created, I think, partly because of that, a wonderful family. Their name's Bean. And because of this film, I have run across and met and people have contacted me. I'm a bean. I'm a bean. I'm a bean. I'm a lima bean. I'm a gabonzo bean. There are all these beans out there. And every one of them. You can just tell, talk, meeting them and talking to them, they're good people. Yeah. And yeah. I think that it helps you to have an ancestor that you has taught you proper good principles yeah. and has written it down, and now I want to be like that ancestor. Well, well they probably have pride, yeah. right? They have pride yes. in being a member or part of that legacy of resilience. The thing for journaling for me and for documenting how I do it is when I write things down, I'm able to process through experiences and more intentionally pick out the story I want to tell. Totally. Because you can have two polar opposite accounts of the same event and it's just the light and the filter you're running it through is, is the story that's told. And so when I write things down, I I'm able to pick out the miracles, the joy, the threads of strength. I'm able to realize things about myself because I'm now going back through an experience and saying, wait a minute, I might have been in the heat of the moment with something or going going through a hardship and I didn't even see this. And I'm so thankful now I'm telling my story on paper because I'm getting the benefit of all these things I missed maybe when I was in the moment of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Can I tell you uh, too, you, Becky, you were talking about them being mean to the, to the daughter. 
Well, I want to make sure that your listeners understand a couple of things of what it was actually like. Okay. And that is the, the school knew that their little daughter, six years old, was going to come to school. So they prepared for her to, be, to come, which was when she got there. Here's the teacher standing up in front, front of the classroom, you know, and the kids are there in their desks. They took one desk and they took it as far as they could to the back corner of the room, stuck it in that corner and turned it so that it's facing out to the window and then said, that's where that girl's going to have to sit. She sat there and like any little girl or any person, eventually she's she wants to be included. She doesn't want to be the one outcast back there. And she starts moving her desk, trying to get closer to somebody else just to feel included. And so the next time she comes back to school, the desk won't move. She looks down. The teacher has nailed her desk to the floor to keep her back there away from mm. our kids. Matt, if your kid, if that happened I to them. I can't even imagine. Like it really rips my heart out. <laughs> yeah. And you would have ripped their head off. I was going to say, I might end up in police custody because I would be so like that just couldn't happen today. Anyway, it happened. And and then do you know the 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 reality is when I read about all that and the meanness that happened to those kids, I tempered it way down because if I would have shown all of the things that were going on, how mean they were to the bean children, the I think the audience would have turned off they would have it would have been almost too painful to watch yeah truly like they wake me up when they get past this whole point because i don't want to see this it was really that much there were that many accounts they were yeah they were very very they were bullies yeah and mean to those little teeny kids and so uh maybe she is the, the hero of that film that that little girl could put up with that have the stamina to come home and get confidence from her parents mm-hmm. and realize they were there for uh, bigger things and put up with it so that little girl's name is palmyra correct they, they named her palmyra so yeah. what do you feel what were you trying to illustrate with palmyra's character and what what do you want what are you hoping that we're feeling as applicable to our lives with her character well first really i have to say making films i i want it to be entertaining i want an audience to sit there and okay here's a good guy here's a bad guy and be wow how are they gonna win and just all mm-hmm. those entertainment because after all i mean i'm not making a film uh, that I'm sending out to the Sunday schools of the world. Right, it's right, entertainment, right, and it right. has to be, I hope, can be perceived as that. Absolutely. And yes, check, check. You yes, it was wonderful. And that's so real conflict is the yep. essence of drama. Yep. And and so that provides that really well for me. But then beyond that, the coming together that then happens when they all kind of find a way to make these desperate, desperate, lives hooked together i hope is it's heartwarming that's the kind of thing that i hope it makes you cry and not in a because of a sad thing i like happy cries we do where, where you cry because you're so happy that it all worked that's why yeah. i cry the most is it's the happy cries mm-hmm. and it's the happy feelings of like this is good this is right this mm-hmm. is true 
And what is good and right and true is that she did persevere. And even at her young age, she understood, thankfully, because of Rebecca's efforts, especially is the way it was illustrated. Rebecca and Willard really helped her to understand that you can stand up for yourself, but it doesn't have to look bad. You can stand up for yourself in love. In fact, you should stand up for yourself, but also do it in love. And there is a way to do that. And it was so beautifully illustrated with the way those characters came together and figured that out as a family. I just... I love it. Like, can we all be a little bit more like the beans? Can right? We? Can we try? <laughs> when you see it, when you see a story, um, and like I said, several, you know, of, of your, of your films, which are again, amazing. So go search for them, <laughs> but they really tell these stories of resilience and strength. And I think one thing, um, our family's gone through some really hard times. We, we all, we all go through tremendous trials in life. Um, one, one of the things TC doesn't know this, obviously, but listeners know. So I had cancer um, a few years ago, mm. two years ago, almost two years ago, and um, chemo, radiation, all that stuff. And these stories, being able to watch TV was like the thing I could do with my kids. Mm. There wasn't anything I could do, mm-hmm. but I could lay there and mm. snuggle my babies and we could watch shows like this. Obviously not everyone is going to experience the horror that is cancer, but there are a thousand other things that we're experiencing that are just hard that feel like cancer that are, that are just tremendously discouraging and hard. And when you see stories of people in unimaginable circumstances, maintaining their integrity and being able not even to, to triumph, although the beans totally did, but to survive, to survive in a way that's true to the integrity of who they are it gives you strength. It gives you so much strength. It gives you so much perspective about exactly what we're capable of, how much love we're capable of. And I think one of the common messages in media is, is that we are entitled to our anger. We're entitled to feel horrible and to, to lash out and to stand up in a way that is destructive and aggressive And that robs us. That completely doesn't work, by the way, but also robs us of the thing that truly grounds us and brings us joy, which is love. And so seeing messages of people dealing with and existing in these circumstances with integrity to themselves in love is just beyond. It's just beyond inspiring for me. Mm -hmm. Well, and movies can do that for us. I mean, that's kind of, that's the point, right? Is Mm -hmm. that is... And going circling back to how you started this conversation off, we have to be so intentional about the media that we're choosing to um, to watch, read, listen to. Um, and when we do so, we're blessed because of it, because we do find examples in these people based, especially when they're based on real people. Yeah, true. It makes a whole yeah. different. Oh my gosh. Here, yeah. Here's a not for, this is not Frank Capra quote. This is a TC quote. Ooh, Ooh I love it. it. Which, well, now it's going to sound stupid. <laughs> I, I build it up too much, but I have, this has been a, a mantra I've had mm. hanging above my desk for years, which is there is great power in telling a true faith-based story. Mm. It takes it just from being, Oh, that's a, nice story about Sleeping Beauty or whatever, to know that people actually went through whatever it is you're portraying and somehow their faith helped them through it, I think is 
It was powerful, powerful, as you say. That's beautiful. And I will be remembering that. I, I will write that down write to myself. You're going to write above your desk? It's going to be yeah. vinyl okay. stuck to my wall. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I love that because it's, it, it's true. It's totally true. So let me put you on the spot and oh, ask you a question. Yikes. This is really going to like... Becky, he's I mean, not going to make a movie about your life. Okay? <laughs> Just calm the Let's heck down. Let's be honest. The first person who would request that would hey, be Becky hey, Pomfit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, totally true. All right, that's fine. It's true. Okay, so you have your your niche or niche, however you want to say it. Niche. And niche. Okay, That's sure, what I sure fine. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Um, and it's it is telling story through film. Okay. Hmm. In your personal life, forget about who you are as a as a filmmaker, producer, storyteller. In that way, in your personal life, father, grandfather, guy, a good God loving guy. What are you doing? in your personal life to preserve some of your true faith-based stories? Good question, Beck. Oh, dear. Should I not have asked? <laughs> well, are you no, doing I'll something? You, well, yeah, I keep a journal. Okay, so but, let's talk but, about it. But you know what? No, no, because here's what's really the, the main answer. Okay. I think that, I hope that 20, 30 years from now, my descendants can go through my films and they will see how I believed mm. because that's what it all that's where it all comes from the choice of what the story is the dialogue that I have people say very often is it's my view of life mm. and that's a, I, I think that's a wonderful position I'm in not many, many people get that right because you know you might leave a journal or something for but but to have something recorded in an entertainment fashion and then kids your kids can look at it and, and hopefully say well I kind of know grandpa I, or I, I, I kind of feel of him and his spirit because I can tell what he believed I love that answer. That was perfect. So I, I passed the show. <laughs> yes. Well, let me tell you how I how I relate and connect to that because documenting runs through my veins, and I've done a lot of different things: scrapbooks and journals, and you know, little video things, and you know, whatever. But I've been thinking recently in the last couple of years how with on social media, Instagram, there's, this, you know, Instagram stories, right? And it's where people can see these short 15 second increments or increments, right? Of someone just talking. Most of it's nonsense. But I try to use it with a lot of intention. And a lot of what I share, well, everything that I share is never planned in advance, right? I'm just sharing from my heart. And hey, this is on my mind. And if it's on my mind and mm -hmm. I feel impressed to share it, I'm just going to share it. And I've been thinking, you know... I always save, they, they disappear, just in case you didn't know with Instagram stories. They just, they are there for 24 hours and it's just a temporary thing. But because I'm a documenter, I, I, I knew, I knew ahead of time, like at the beginning of this, I have been saving my stories, my 15 second little, you know, series yeah. of stories every day, my whole, like of all of my Instagram life since this came out. And I've been thinking if I, if I don't keep a journal, if I don't make a scrapbook, but someone in my family, my posterity has access to my, it seems silly to say out loud because I'm talking to a, an actual legitimate filmmaker, but if somebody has access to my Instagram stories, for example, they will know me, mm -hmm. they will know my character and mm -hmm. they will know pieces and parts of what matters to me. And I think the reason why I felt impressed to ask you and why I'm sharing that personal experience is because documenting and recording and sharing stories looks different. 
It doesn't have to look a certain way, does it? it I, I didn't expect you to even answer in a certain way. I wanted to know because I was open to whatever you were going to say. And I didn't expect that. And I mm. love it even more. But I think that as a storyteller, from storyteller to storyteller, I really want people to feel um, that no matter how it looks, you're in a very unique position. Nobody listening can probably relate to the way that you know, you're able to produce this entertainment-based media. Um, but whatever documenting, storytelling we're doing, it matters, and we need to do it in some way. The fact that you're also keeping a journal is really cool. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's like all, how you're it's doing all it? the funny things that happen to me. Oh, that's, is pretty, it? that's pretty much right. Yeah. I mean, everything's, whenever something's funny, I write it in my journal. Or my grandkids or whoever, when they yeah. do something funny, I write it there. Oh, that's that's my that. journal. That. Sorry. Well, you. Well, I don't know. Yes. No, I think that's perfect because it's the thing that like moves you right now, right? Like that is, that's, that's such a special thing. And, and I love that you're bringing that up, Beck, because it's not about like sitting down with your journal and stressing yourself out about what life truth did I experience today? And I will now write for my posterity. It's living your life in a way that is good and a way that is intentional and making sure that you have documentation, photos, videos, notes, voice memos, just something um, to speak to what was important to you or funny to you or made you upset or whatever it is to tell the story of your days. I do my documenting and journaling based on events. I don't do it like, oh, I write every single day. Hmm. I do it based on things and stories within my life that matter to me. I have my cancer story. I have my my child bearing, you know, all the different stories of my life. Mm. Bottom line is stories matter. They sure do. They really, really matter. And so thank you for being one of the great storytellers. Storytellers. Oh, you are. I am am a teeny little frog in a teeny little pond. But you know what? You You might be a teeny frog in a teeny pond, which I completely disagree with. But in my home and with my kids and Mm. in our life, you're a really big frog. Hmm. The giant. And I really, really thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I have another question for you before we wrap up. Um, Our message always connects to cultivating a good life. And I I just, I kind of sit in awe thinking about the experiences you must have had in your lifetime, not just in filmmaking, but just in your lifetime. You're in a season of beautifulness. You have posterity. You get to have grandchildren sitting on your lap. Of everything that you have um, experienced in your career and with your family, and I'm totally putting you on the spot again, but of everything, what's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind when I say, what does it mean to you to cultivate a good life? Hmm. You, I'm not being funny, but you'll think I'm funny. <laughs> I have my own pickleball court. I'm going to show it to you. Before I you love leave. it. And oh. that, I intentionally wanted that because I think that would bring the family together. It's a game that everybody can play if you haven't played pickleball. It's it's not that hard. It's not like a tennis or something that really takes more time or things to pick up on to play. Anyway, I've created, kind of tried to, to create a Christensen compound here uh, because our hashtag life goals. Da- our cute daughter-in-law invited us to live next to them. We did, and now every day is reaps the rewards of some good choices, mm. which is every morning 
Knock, knock, knock. Grandpa, can you come and play with oh, me? I love it. And, uh, and I can never say no. It doesn't matter what's going on. How do you say no to that? Oh. To have those little cute kids now, we have three of them now, and to be with them, and they are funny, good people, and and we have great relationships. Everybody in the family, boy, that it's all coming to, together. That's I feel like I'm I'm old, fat, and bald, and you know what? <laughs> it's 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 a great it is a great time of life. So oh. part of cultivating a good life for you is building connections, but you've done so intentionally. Oh, yeah. You didn't have to build a house here. You didn't mm. have to do a, what's it yeah. called? Pickleball? Pickleball. Mm-hmm. Pickleball court. I've heard of the sport, but I haven't played it. So sounds like a challenge mm. in the making. Um, <laughs> but you didn't have to do these things. And yet that truly shows your character. It shows your priority. It shows what, what is it that um, Rebecca Bean said? Yeah, I was going to say, um, great place to wrap up yeah, with that Rebecca like, Bean quote. back to that quote. She said, um, what, where you... Let me just say it. Will you yes. just say it? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sitting right here, you, you know. Just stop it. I was looking to you. You didn't catch the cue. No. Favor, TC. No. Rebecca Bean said, the things you defend and fight for are the things you love best. And I love that quote as something to say, and I speak to audiences. Because think about it yourself. What are the things that you defend and fight for? And I hope that when you think about that, that on your list are good, positive things that help not only yourself, but lift other people up too. Absolutely. The role that we each have. Thank you so much for this time that you've spent to share these uh, I'm messages. a nice boy. I you know, are. You're nice. Boy. Thank you for not calling the police when I seized the day and chased you down in a movie theater. I really appreciate that. Uh, I well, just my mom got taught rid of me to be aware there were going to be, 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 be a weird people in my life. Right? And you're one of them. I bet you're just used to ladies chasing after you yeah, all the time. Basically. It's so old. I mean, did you hear about the band that he's in? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Like, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you so much, not just for the time and the messages shared here, not even just in the most recent film. Every story that you've told in the films and in the work that you've done and the legacy, honestly, that you're leaving has meant so much to way more people than you'll ever realize. But I know you know that. But thank you. We'll embarrass you and say it many, many, many more times until it's so deeply ingrained in you. You'll never stop doing what you do. All right. Next time I go to see another one of my movies in the theater, you two better be there. Can you give us the heads up? We will. And then just you know, go, just be there all the time. All the time. And that way, okay, you know, also, it'll happen. that's a good yeah. idea as well. Well, friends, thank you so much for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write those down, those promptings you feel, and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on. And we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye-bye. and I started early on and we I still have all my instruments from growing up and we get in there and rip people's heads off I love yeah, it tomorrow or not tomorrow Monday night we have a band practice oh. if you're if you're anywhere this side of Mesa you'll hear us 
because oh, we're loud. We'll be the <laughs> really? Oh, I miss music. That's amazing. Uh, oh, it's not amazing. It's we're not very yes, good, it but is. it's fun. Don't do it. Don't you mess with us with these microphones in front of us. Is that your distance? <laughs> that thing makes you the boss. Huh? Well, Ooh, if yeah. I he's not used to not yeah. being the boss. Something no, you I'm need not. to know about our relationship. <laughs> I have my own like background and stuff. We're all bossy here. But sh- I like we all have a role. We have three red personalities. Correct. We do. You know what? It's not true. I'm actually evenly split between those four colors. That only works if you're honest on the test. Anyways, <gasps> let's, I'm too... 